Hello, everyone. It is Jen DeWall. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Leadership Habit Podcast. This week, I sat down with Andy Fowl. And what a great, inspiring conversation it was. Andy is the founder of Gift 631, a virtual and face-to-face coaching and development business that helps people become the best version of themselves. Who doesn't need that? He also works with executives and senior leaders to create high-performing teams and build winning cultures. Other projects include his hashtag What Winners Do events brand and Future You membership site. Prior to Gift 631, Andy spent almost 30 years in financial services in both the UK and Australia. His passion was empowering his people to aim high and think big and have fun whilst making a massive difference to customers, communities, and the organization. Andy led teams of 2,000 people and delivered an annual revenue target in excess of 2 billion AUD. Wow. Holy cow. That is a lot of responsibility and a lot of success. This is absolutely someone I want to learn from. Andy is married to Leona and has four amazing children. He loves to run, read, journal, travel, and meditate. His motto is do what you love and love what you do. Enjoy our inspiring conversation about how we can up-level our performance and become more inspired and motivated every single day. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I am talking with Andy Fell, who is actually joining us from across the pond. So I am here in Denver, Colorado, but he is in Australia. And Andy is the founder of an organization called Gift 631, which, oh my gosh, I, I don't even want to try to take away what the meaning of this organization is. And I think it's so much better if you hear from Andy or Andy yourself. So Andy, could you just go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience and talk a little bit about the origin and what you do every single day to help make everyone live a better life, live more confident life, be better leaders, because you're making waves. So yes, please go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Well, thanks, Jen. It is absolutely uh, amazing to be joining you today. And uh, and like you say, I, I, I founded a business called Gift 631 about three years ago. And I spent 30 years in financial services before that. I spent 20 years in the United Kingdom uh, working for the Royal Bank Scotland and National Westminster Bank. And I, I just had this love of running big people-centric divisions of the bank. So, you know, branch networks, contact centers. And um, that was my real passion. My passion was helping every single person in my organization become a better version of themselves on a continual basis. And then the GFC came along and I was made redundant uh, along with many, many other thousands of people. Um, But I'm a huge believer that there's opportunity in absolutely everything. And on the back of that, I relocated about 11 years ago um, down here to Australia, initially only planning to come here for two years uh, to work for a bank and then go to Singapore for a couple of years and then go back to the UK. Anyway, 11 years later, uh, we're still here. We're citizens. Um, It's the most beautiful, amazing part of the world, and, and, and we're very, very happy. Um, but I turned 50, and uh, I was out in Bali with, uh, with uh, myself, my amazing wife, Leona, our three girls, and our best friends, and their three boys. And, and I've been thinking about, you know, how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And um, I woke up on my 50th birthday, and, and this was the day that changed my life, and, and actually where Gift 631 was first founded, which, which I'll come to. And um, my, my wife and I had gone for a walk down the beach. And whilst we were out, my eldest daughter, Emma, had done one of the most beautiful things that anyone had ever done for me. 
And uh, when we got back, she hung 50 photos from 50 different moments of my life around the living area. And between each one was a speech card. And each speech card was written by somebody who was there. So everyone had written a few. And they all started, I love Andy because. And I'm going around and I'm, and I'm reading um, these speech cards and I'm looking at these photos and I've got tears in my eyes and this was just absolutely amazing thing to do. And I made a couple of decisions. The first decision, I decided I'd achieve more in the next 25 years of my life than the previous 50. The second decision I made was I took what I call the Sir Richard Branson test. And Branson says, you're 90 years old, you're sitting outside your house, you're looking back on your life, what do you want to be saying to yourself? Do you want to be saying to yourself, well, I could do this, I should do this, I wish I'd done that, if only I'd done the other, or do you want to say to yourself, well, I didn't get everything right, but at least I gave everything my best shot. And in that moment, I decided I was going to pass the Sir Richard Branson test. It was time to leave financial services and it was the time to set up my business. So one of the, the things I believe, Jen, is every single day I have an appointment with Mozart and the story goes, I don't even know if this is a, is, this is a true story or not, but I heard this story a long, long time ago and I was like, wow, I'm doing this. And the story goes like this, that Mozart used to suffer, apparently, from composer's cramp. And the way he used to overcome this composer's cramp is he'd go out on his own, away from everybody and away from everything. And he'd go out into these beautiful um, forests in the middle of these middle European estates. And when he was on his own, isolated from the world, um, smelling the trees and watching the deers and the squirrels and listening to the birds, that's when he started to compose his music again in his mind. And I was like, wow, I was a really young manager at the time. I was, I was struggling a little bit. I could never get any time to myself. And I just put an appointment in my diary with Mozart, time for myself, by myself, with myself, no interruption, no disruption, no technology, me, my journal, and my thoughts. And I've carried that through my whole life and career. So on the back of, um, you know, the decision I made on my 50th birthday, I sat there with my journal and I started to think about my business. And the first person who came to my mind was my grandfather. He was my first great teacher. And he was a servant in a big country house in England. And uh, he left school at 12. He actually started by living in the stables with the horses. Uh, he was wow. a stable boy. And then he got promoted to be the butler's assistant. And he lived in this big, big country house. And, and when my grandmother passed away, he used to come to this house that I lived in, which was called 631 Kenworth Road. And so gift 631. So he would come to 631. And like I say, he was my first grade teacher. He taught me to live life with gratitude, to live life with a servant's heart, to always put good out into the universe. Never worry if you get it back. He said, always do people a good turn. Always be very respectful. And he taught me that relationships are the foundation of everything. I believe we absolutely need to be very, you know, uh, across technology and embrace and use technology. But I'm also a fundamental believer in the power of relationships. The only practical thing he ever taught me, never make a decision when you're tired. He used to say things will always look better in the morning. And, um, you know, I say to all my clients, uh, I would extend that to emails. Never send an email when you're tired. You know, stick it in your draft box. Have a look at it in the morning when you're feeling fresh. And it's amazing how much work that will, that will save you. 
I've seen so many people who send a, a tired email just trying to clean up their inbox at the end of the day, and it's misunderstood, and it just creates this huge amount of extra work. So I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I'm thinking about my business, and I'm thinking about you know, my granddad and my parents, and I just thought, I want my parents and my grandfather's legacy to live on in the, name of, in, in the name of my business. And in terms of gift, well, really, those are four things that I really stand for in terms of my business. The G stands for growth, personal team, and business. The I stands for inspiration, helping people get out of their comfort zone. Life begins at the edge of our comfort zone and stretch further than they think they're capable of stretching in the direction of their true potential. The S stands for fulfillment. You know, at the end of the day, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, we, we, need, we need happiness, we need fulfillment, we need true wealth in every sense. And then transformation, personal, team, and business transformation. Hence, you get Give 631. I, that is such a powerful business name. And just knowing that the work that you do around helping organizations or individual leaders achieve that growth, inspiration, fulfillment, transformation, those are all things that we all need. The world could be a better place. But I want to back up. You made a career pivot at the age of 50. And I think that there might be some people that think, I don't know, I'm 50. I guess I better stick with this now because I committed X amount of years. How were you able to do that? I just think that's, I, I want to bring that forward because there could be someone listening to this that might be contemplating the exact same thing, like making that shift into something, you know, that it's kind of a new land to some extent. It was, it's outside of financial services directly. Um, how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, that's great. Great question, Jen. For me, what holds most people back is a lack of belief, a lack of confidence, sometimes a lack of self-esteem. And, you know, I believe that once you have an unshakable level of self-belief, then you realize that anything is, is possible. And each and every day, each and every one of us, We'll have this conversation going on between our inner critic and our inner coach. Our inner critic is driven, you know, by our doubts, by our fears, uh, our inner coach, and that's our negative self-talk. Our inner coach is driven by our, our dreams, our goals, our aspirations. And what I've recognised is um, the gap between me and future me, there's this river of self-doubt, and, and that feeds the, the inner critic. And some days it flows gently, and some days it flows like a torrent. Like, for example, lots of people around the world unfortunately losing their jobs. So their river of self-doubt has got wider, but it's also flowing faster. And in that river, there's, a, there's bull sharks, there's piranhas, there's crocodiles or alligators, depending on where you live around the world. And these are people who've given up on their dreams. And they're people with a negative mindset. You know, poor old me, life's not fair, they live by excuses, or they've got a cynical attitude. You know, it's easier for them, we've tried that before, it won't work for me. Um, if they see someone, you know, achieving great things, they're either lucky or, or they've some, somehow worked out. They're either favoured by the boss or they've worked out how to get around the system. And then there's the majority who are spectators. And, and these are people who lack courage. You know, you know they procrastinate, they overthink. They always think about the downside, not the upside. They always think about what's the worst that can happen, not what, what's the best that can happen. And I knew at 50, I've got a choice. I knew where I wanted to be, which is the founder of Gift631, but I knew there was this river of self-doubt and I knew there was tons of people 
who would tell me this was crazy. Why don't you just hang on? How can you hang on? You know, they said, why don't you hang on for 10 years until you're 16 years and retire? I'm like, that's an enormous part of my life. Right. Right? So I thought I can either jump in there and try and swim my way through or I can build a bridge. And so what I do every single day, I build a bridge of self-belief. And once you've built it, you've got to sustain it. And now I've dismissed my inner critic and I'm between my inner coach and what LeBron James would call my inner champion, So, which, which is because I've, I've been able to build this level of self-belief, self-confidence, self-esteem. And that gave me the courage to take the plunge, to leave the supposed security of financial services and, and set up my own business. Um, on a practical level, Jen, you know, get very clear on your purpose, get very clear on your business plan, get very clear on the problems that you solve for other people. But then you've got, to bring, you've got to bring the passion, the patience, the perseverance. You've got to push negative people as far out of your life as you possibly can. Um, Trent Shelton, uh, the ex-NFL guy, speaker in the States, uh, I, I, do, I meditate every single day using the Karma app. And there's a, there's a piece of there called the Spark. And, and there's a nine-minute um, meditation that Trent does talking about loving people from a distance, which is just brilliant. Uh, you've got to push however supposedly close to you they are push all negative influence as far away from you as possibly can and surround yourself with a winning circle of people that will challenge you, stretch you. Um, they'll, they'll be the wind beneath your wings. They'll lift you up. They'll genuinely support you. Um, and that's how I was able to pivot from, serious pivot from 30 years in banking to, you know, founding and, and, and setting up my, my own entrepreneurial world. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing world uh, to be living in. It is, but I don't know if you got the same thing that I did. And I love your story and how it came to be. And even just reminding ourselves that whatever we do or do not do is a result of our own view of our self-worth or our confidence. But I know when I entered the coaching space X amount of years ago, people initially looked at me like, you're going to do what? What is coaching? Why are you doing that? And it felt like I think they thought I was trying to paint the world in rainbows and that's not what coaching is. You know that from, you know, working with them, but I'm curious if you got that kind of feedback, like, what are you going to do? Looking at you a little bit puzzled, like I haven't seen that or heard that before. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. I, I think I was very, very passionate. When I, when I got hired into my role in, in Australia, um, the guy who hired me, fantastic guy, he said to me, so what are you going to bring? If I'm going to bring you from one side of the world to the other, what are you going to bring to the business that I run? And I said, well, one of the first things I'm going to bring is that we're going to be world famous for coaching. And he kind of looked at me and I said, Jason, the vast majority of, of corporate leaders that I see and I've worked with and I've worked for, we play at the word coaching. And I said, I'm going to make sure, starting with myself, that every leader in my business has an enhanced level of coaching from, from, where, from their start point. I said, I truly believe if we get that right, then that's how we'll fuel business growth. And, and it was like, wow, you know, I've never heard anyone, anyone thinking or talking or acting like this before. And I think it's always been really ingrained within me. And I believe, you know, great leadership is, is about great communication, which is as much about listening as obviously is about, about talking. Um, so I think, you know, if you, I, I was always uh, put forward by the organisations that I was working for to represent them at, at conferences. So I've, I've fallen into the world of conference speaking. I've always been passionate about people, culture, and, and coaching. Um, so for me, it was more, 
you're going to give up the financial security at that at this age. You know, I've got four kids. I've also got a son from my first marriage in England. My wife is self-employed. <laughs> Are you going to give all that to go and do this? I was like, yeah, absolutely. I, I am most passionate about this and I will pass this the Richard Branson test. I need to do it. And I knew if I didn't do it at 50, if I waited till I was 55, 57, 59, there's a less and less chance of it actually happening. Yeah, why wait? Well, and Absolutely. you help your clients with... Uh, what you call the, a success formula. And I'm so excited to be able to bring that forward to the Crosscom audience because it sounds like you clearly, you know, had that. You had the confidence and the belief that why not now? And yeah. also knowing that organizations need to put an emphasis on how they're, you know, leading their people, building their people up. So I'm curious, what what is the success formula that you that you use within your organization? Yeah, sure. So the success formula goes like this. Success equals G plus M plus A times D. So the G is goals. And uh, when I was in the bank, most of the training courses I went on, you know, they would teach you about smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. I hate that. I love specific. I love measurable. (laughs) I love time-bound. A goal without a deadline is a wish but I want people to set unachievable, unrealistic goals. And when I was working with an organization in England, I, I used to call them unsmart goals. And they said, we love the thinking, Andy, but we hate the term. So they renamed it smut goals, which is very easy to remember. Because um, Michelangelo once said, the danger for most of us is not that we set the bar so high and we miss it, it's that we set the bar so low and we hit it. So I really encourage people to set really big goals and then, Jen, if you take 631 and you reverse it, you get 136. And this is the critical. All my work is simple, practical, actionable, clear, and based on experience, space. That's how I define my work. Simple, practical, actionable, clear, and experience-based. So if you reverse 631, you get 136. So the one is the really big smut goal, or as Jim Collins would say, the BHAG. I then break it down into three milestone or sub-goals, and I then break it down again into the six next best actions. And all I need to do is focus on the action level because for you and I and everyone else, the analytical side of our brain, the logical side, if you set a massive goal, the logical side of your brain is going, how do I achieve that? How do I achieve that? And you don't know how you're going to achieve it, so it starts to reduce the size of the goal until it's just outside your comfort zone. And actually, whether you hit it or not, it doesn't really change your life. So the only way you can keep it out there is almost set and forget the really big goal and come down to the action level because the brain can deal with that. And I know every time I achieve an action, I replace the action. Every time I achieve the sub-goal, I replace the sub-goal. So I do a lot of work around, around goals and then all of the basics of of, I write my goals down every day. You know, I, sh- I share my goals publicly. I create a true level of accountability. I create visual representations. I visualize. So all of the practical steps around what great goal achievers do uh, is part of the work. So that's the G. The M is the bit in the middle. That's the mindset. And I think 80 to 90% of our success, as we've been discussing, is what is going on between our ears. This conversation, it's, it's what our self-talk is all about. 
So I bombard my subconscious mind on a daily basis with affirmation, visualization, manifestation, and the people I surround myself with, like I was saying, you know, pushing the negatives out, creating this incredible winning circle. As Jim Rohn would say, we are the sum of the five or six people. But then I have um, a, a really um, well-developed morning routine. And I, I will share that. I've not got time to go into all of my winning habits and routines, but I'll share this. And, and this is something that your colleague, Manny uh, Martinez, he's a, he's, a, he's a fanatic about the 4M routine. Um, so on my 50th birthday, as well as the amazing experience um, that, that Emma did with, with, the, with the pictures and the, and the speech cards, uh, Leona, she gave me a couple of books. One was On Fire by John O'Leary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I loved it. And it was about oh living life all in and, yeah, John comes from the same place as my grandfather. She also gave me the, the Morning Miracle by Hal Elrod. And um, Hal's got a really well-established routine each and every morning called the Savers Routine. Silence, affirmation, visualisation, exercise, reading, scribing. I do all of those things on a daily basis to influence my mindset, but I don't do them all in the morning. So I, 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 one of my mantras is, Look at what successful people do. Success leaves clues. I learn what they do. I either copy it or I adapt it, and then I add my own 10% winning edge. I learn, I copy, I add my 10% winning edge. So I learned from how, and I adapted the savers routine into my 4M routine, and it's now the format, which and I'll give you the full thing. Andy, how do 4M. you see- Can I just ask, how do you stay disciplined? You know, one of the struggles that I have, it's... I think some days are better than others and being able to do it. I'm curious, how do you stay disciplined and motivated? I, I love the, you know, all the different things that you do every single day that help aid to your success. What's your trick for discipline and the commitment to it? Yeah, that's that's a brilliant question. What I've, what I've realized without actually knowing it until I read, um, I listen to, uh, so I do some self-development every day, normally when I'm, when I'm exercising on my, on, on my treadmill. And I was listening to, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And what I realized is what I've been doing is habit stacking. And my morning routine gets me into that ideal performance state. And one, one activity leads to the next, and it's just become an ingrained habit. I then have a 60-second state changer that I use through the day, and then I have a debrief process at the end of the day. But I'll give you the morning routine because I've achieved so much by the time I actually – I don't touch my inbox, by the way, um, until I've done this morning routine. I don't get caught up in, 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 in meetings. Um, and it goes like this. I start every day with some movement and healthy body, healthy mind, stimulate the body, stimulate the mind. Many of my clients, Jen, will say to me, I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a runner. I'm not a cyclist. I'm not a gym junkie. I say, that's cool. Just move. Move the body, stimulate the mind. You know, go for a walk. Um, it's great if you've got a dog. Even if you've got young kids, put them in the buggy, push them around the park. You know, 20, minute, 20 minutes of movement, fantastic. Then I do what I call a mind cleanse. Our brains can only hold four thoughts at any one time. So I literally dump everything that's in my brain down into my journal. The critical thing, it's not a things-to-do list because your things-to-do list will have a ton of low-value activity. So I get everything down. It's not just to, to do with business. It's just life, dentists, restaurants, when we can, holidays, whatever it might be, tax. Um, but I star the things that are most important and my commitment to myself and my discipline is around the things that I've starred. I have to do those each day. Then I meditate. That's my third end. So I move, 
I mind cleanse. I meditate. I can't meditate unless I've mind cleansed because I sit there doing this meditation thinking, I've got to do this today. I've got to do this today. I've got to do this today. Because I've captured everything, my mind's clear. Meditation, transformational practice, you know, it, it, it's really helped me. The more pressure I'm under, the more I exercise, the more I meditate. And then I have my appointment with Mozart. That's my four M's. And it's a combination of practical, but my Mozart time gives me time to think, how do I become a better leader? How do I become a better coach? How do I build a better business? How do I create more relationships? How do I become a better father? How do I become a better husband? Whatever it might be, how do I achieve my goals? How do I set more SMART goals? Whatever it might be. So it gets me up a level. And then uh, I've added on A and a T. So the A is appreciation. When I was in corporate, 15 minutes a day, Jen, every single day in my diary, 15 minutes a day to say thank you. And, you know, an early boss I worked for was one of his mantras. He used to say to me, Andy, every leader can spend 15 minutes a day saying thank you. And I know what gets in my diary gets done. So I, I, when I was in the bank, I saw no appointments before 10 o'clock doing all this routine. Um, and now, but I ended it with 15 minutes of, of, of praise, recognition, celebration. I wrote more handwritten cards than I believe the other 79 general managers of the Westpac group put together. So now I do a quick uh, appreciation of somebody. And then the other book I absolutely love and recommend is Gary Keller's One Thing. Man, I've listened to that four or five times, you know, and I then straight so I've done the four M's. I've done a, an act of appreciation or gratitude. Then I lock in my diary, my one thing time. And that's where I complete either the things I've starred or the most important activity I have to do that day. You know, because we all need free space in our diary. And I see way too many clients when I start working with them. They're just doing all day long. They're not thinking as in Mozart time. And they're not focused on the things that matter most. So that's my morning routine. That's what, that's a discipline. That's a habit. Yeah. And, and one just leads to the other and it just flows, you know? I love the the four M's plus the, um, just thinking about how we can offer. I love the tip of like the last 15 minutes of your day. Think about how much better your commute would be. I know right now it's remote, but if we all ended our work days with just thinking about who made our day better or did something great and thanked them, I feel like I would have a much better conversation with you know, my husband, when I get home or my friend on the phone, if I was giving them a call on my way back, I, I love that piece of just really protecting that, that final 15 minutes to give thanks. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's so important. And you've, you've hit on a really, really important thing. Now, whether people are remote working or, or whether people start to go back to office working, you need to have that transition from work to home. And for me, it's, it's debriefing on the best things that have happened that day, you know. And when I was at the bank, I used to, I mean, I used to live in, in Sydney at the time, living in the most beautiful, there's different, if you're in San Fran, you might say, well, actually, we've got the most, you know, or Vancouver, you might argue we've got the most amazing ocean front, but Sydney's pretty special, right? And I used to get the ferry, and I used to get off the ferry, and I'd have a 15-minute walk home. So, you know, I've done my, my, my praise, my recognition, my celebration. And on that 15 minutes, I'll be thinking about the best things that have happened that day. But if there was anything I needed to complete, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into the house until I'd done it. So if there was one last call I had to make or if there was one last email I had to send 
I would stand outside their house until I'd done it. So when I went in the house, I was ready for the next phase of, of my life, you know, to meet the owner, to meet the kids, to say hello to the dog. Rather than I, I see too many people who they go through the door and they're still trying to deal with calls. They're still trying to send emails. They don't do that very well, but also the personal side of it isn't, isn't anywhere near as good as it should be. And it's about creating that, that almost that point of completion. And it's the same whether you're working at home. It's to have something that signifies switching off work mode, switching 100% into, um, into the other parts of life. And I would say one of my mantras, Jen, is all in. So if, if it's home time, I'm all in. I'm all in with the family. If it's work time, I'm all in. You know, and I'm completely present with whatever I'm doing. And I see people who jumble that up all of the time. Yeah, and they think that, oh, I'm totally here as I'm looking at my my cell phone or trying to check an email. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, okay. I just I just wanted to make sure I complete the success formula for for everyone. No, so, absolutely, because yeah. I stopped you after mindset. Yeah, so, go, so goals, go. mindset, A is action. Um, no surprise, you know, Arnie Schwarzenegger, love him. Um, no one got muscles watching me work out. Another army, <laughs> you know, you cannot climb the ladder of success with your hands in your pocket. But what I would say to everyone who watches this is divide it up. There's high value activity and there's low value activity. I work really hard with my clients to reduce the amount of low value activity that they get caught up in and What's transfer that. What's an example that you see? Uh, sorry to like interrupt. Yeah, like, so I, I have values versus high. people who go to meetings with with no purpose, no agenda. They're not sure the value that they're going to get. They're not sure the value they're going to give. Um, people who just spend hours and hours working on their inbox. People who go to steering committees with three or four of their colleagues. So all of this, like salespeople who spend more time doing administration, doing sales reporting, just getting caught up in bureaucracy as opposed to the things that really matter, um, setting up appointments to see clients, seeing clients, following up with clients. It's amazing how many salespeople spend less than 50% of their time selling or setting up appointments or following up appointments. And if you can switch that focus, so high-value action is anything that is directly related to the achievement of my SMUT goal. And then the D, and this is the big accelerator, winners debrief more than the average. You know, and Every single thing I do of any significance, I debrief in the moment straight after I've done it. And if you do a significant activity repeatedly, imagine if you can just find the one or two percenters consistently over a three, six, nine, 12 month period, your, your growth and your performance is the compound effect of that is just phenomenal. Most people just do all day long. They're on that hamster wheel. Just running, 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 running. And at times, I've got, I've only got two speeds in life. You know, I'm still or I'm fast. There's nothing in between, right? Um, so when I go, I, I absolutely go. Um, but you've got to have times when, when you, it's not just the Mozart time. It, it's the ability to, to, to be still and just reflect on what you've just done. What went well? What didn't go so well? What questions resonated? What should I do differently? Even if it's just stop, start, continue. And if you build in that de debrief on all of your significant action, you will accelerate and accelerate really, really quickly. So that is the success formula. I love the success formula. So goals. Goals. Mindset. Plus mindset. Plus action, but it's high value action. 
that directly links to the achievement of the goals times the debrief. And the debrief, I love that you bring that up because I was talking to a group of consultants and one of the things that they had talked about is they didn't really do a lessons learned until the ultimate end of the project, which by that point in time, they've already started on the next project and everyone's already going on the hamster wheel. And so I like the importance of adding in additional debriefs that we have to somehow trigger, hey, you're taking action every day. Do we want to do it You know, informed with your mistakes or data from yesterday? Or are we just going to keep going ahead until two months have passed? I think that's such a great, important point. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, so at an individual level, at a team level, at a business level, if it gets done at all, it tends to get done way too late in the process. Yeah, one of my friends, a guy called Richard West, and, and he worked in Formula One motor racing for, for a long, long time in his career. And he said in, in the Formula One motor racing teams, had a very, very simple three-step process. Plan what you're going to do, do it, and review it. And as a business consultant, he says, I get more and more concerned about the level of planning because people are just on the hamster wheel doing, doing, doing. But he says, I just don't see anywhere near enough reviewing. And to your point, Jen, when they do, it's like way too late. <laughs> The kind of we've launched and the project's either delivering or it's not delivering. And we need to have all of these little check-ins through the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And take a cue from a Formula One racer. They have seconds to be able to execute yeah. that. And they're going, I mean, I don't know their their mat, their top speed, but that's what it's like as an organization. We're also just flying through trying to put out fires and you can quickly go in the wrong direction. And I'm really glad you picked up on that point because Richard said, you know, he's, he's worked with many, many, many Formula One greats, one of which was Michael Schumacher. And he said, Michael Schumacher used to spend more time in the Ferrari garage with the engineers after a race that they'd won rather than a race that they'd lost because he wanted to analyze the root cause of success. And that's a really important point as well. When I do see people reviewing their activities and behaviours, it's when things have been a spectacular disaster. So they analyse the root cause of failure. So few people analyse, well, why was it so successful? What was it that we did that we can do more of next time? So analysing the root cause of success is in many senses as important as analysing the root cause of failure. Well, and I think that comes back to your mindset too. It's, I mean, if we sit and look at our goals, like, well, during the debrief, you you really missed the mark on that one, Jen, you, you really failed. How are you going to be able to find your confidence or find that energy to say, Hey, I, I want to set another unattainable goal <laughs> if we don't have that. And I, that's also another thing. I love your take on goals, but not smart goals, because I think that people are a little fatigued from you know, smart goals is a great practice. It's a great template, but I think in some way, yeah, it doesn't necessarily encourage people to play big. And I I just love your whole success formula because I think it's, it's really important for us to think beyond what a basic easy goal is that we could do. We have to think bigger. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, And what I realized over the years was early in my career, I was all about external validation. I needed other people to tell me. I was massively competitive in the early part of my career in the Royal Bank Scotland. I was, I was a sales leader. You know, we won sales trophy after sales trophy after sales trophy. And I needed that external validation for people to almost reinforce how good that I was because my, my level of self-confidence and belief wasn't like it is today. And you see it on social media. People are just desperate for, for likes and shares and comments. 
it's external validation. And when that crosses over with internal validation, that's when the magic can really happen. When you realize that the only person who can truly judge you in life is you, that's when you're willing and comfortable to go for massive goals. Because what holds most people back in my view, Jen, is not the fear of failure. It's the fear of being judged. But when you realize the only person who can really judge you is you, then actually what other people think about doesn't matter. You know, and if they say, oh, you failed, that's their perspective. You know, and I see so many people that, you know, two people can both achieve 100 of something. One sets a goal of 110 and they celebrate like crazy because they get to 115. The other's starting point is the same. They set 1,000 and they get to 600. I mean, that's like nowhere near 1,000, but it's way beyond if you'd set a smart goal of 110. And what would you rather have? Now, I, I would live very, very comfortably in the fact that I've, I've achieved 600. And if people around me want to tell me that's failure, well, that's cool. That's their perspective. I, I, to be honest, I don't really care. You know, they're probably in that river of self-doubt. They've given up on their dreams and they want to try and knock me, you know, knock me down from, from you know, going where I, I know I'm truly capable of going. And I, and I honestly believe that I'm, I'm at the start of, of my journey and I'm, I'm 54. I believe anything is possible. The jersey on the wall behind me, is uh, Sheffield Steelers ice hockey jersey. Um, not quite as successful as, as, you know, the Avalanche and, and the Canucks and, and all, that, all those amazing NHL teams. The reason it's on that wall and I look at it every single day is because that was the, sh- the first professional sport sponsorship that the Royal Bank of Scotland did. And that was my deal. And everyone in the organisation said, you will never get that deal done we don't do sports sponsorships. It won't happen, blah, blah, blah. I got the deal done. We made it happen. And I, I keep it on the wall to remind me that anything is possible. As long as you have a big goal, a powerful mindset, you take massive action and you debrief to drive continuous learning and improvement. Oh my gosh. That What an inspiring close to this. And I love that you touched on external validation. I mean, I do want to ask you out of a personal thing where, you know, what I see with external validation is we just pick that up during childhood, think that we need to continue it into adulthood, and then it just drives the car for us. But there's got to be the point that people recognize that it starts from within that, you know, that mindset that you talk about, like what, how we see ourselves, how we see the value, or even reframing how you look at your failures. If you did set that goal and got to 600 (laughs) <laughs> I'm curious, where do you see that starting with people? Because I think everyone probably has it. And they might be like, I, I do rely a lot on external validation, but, but I thought you had to because my boss needs to care like me. Yeah, and, and I think it, it, it comes down to continuous self-development because it's not just about the knowledge. It's actually what it does for you, you know, your mindset, your self-belief, your self-esteem. It comes down to that, that company that, that, that you keep, you know, surrounding yourself with that winning circle. And, and look for aspirational people, people that, that will lift you up, people that will take you to their, their level. Um, and, and that's what I, I believe has been one of the great successes of my life. I've looked for those amazing role models. One of my, one of my great mentors, friends, is, is a guy who I first saw when he was coaching the Sheffield Sharks basketball team, now lives back in Florida, a guy called Jim Brandon, um, was originally um, drafted by the Utah Jazz going way, way, way back. Um, and then ended up playing and coaching in Europe. And I first watched him 
when I was sitting in the stands and he was coaching the Sheffield Sharks, the professional basketball team there. And I'm like, I'm going to get to know that man. And everyone around me is like, how on earth are you going to get to know him? I said, I've no idea. But I'm going to get to know that man. And 15, 20 years later, you know, he, he's been my mentor. He's, he's a great friend. We do amazing stuff together. You know, so, so seek those, those people who are, who are at a high level, you know, in traditional way of thinking about high levels, but those people who you know are going to add tremendous value to your life, go and seek them out and, and, and get to know them. Find a way. There's always a way. My gosh, what an inspiring close and thinking, I love that. I'm going to get to know him. And just that call to action, what are you going to, what unattainable goal are you going to set and give yourself the permission to pursue? I have to ask the one final closing question. I think you're probably going to, I think I might know what you're going to say, but what is your leadership ha- leadership habit for success? Yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you two. So have a success. I can't define success for you, but I can give, I've given you that winning formula. Um, yeah. But then have a, a morning routine that works for you. So I'll give you the format routine, but but adapt it, mold it, you know, have a short form version of it, something that gets you into the ideal performance state on a daily basis. It fires the engine and it gets you motivated to, to make the best of every single day that, that, that you have. Well, Andy, how can people connect with you after this podcast? If they want to know more, where, where can we send them to? Yeah, please. I mean, please connect with me through LinkedIn. You can go to my YouTube channel, Andy Felgif631. There's a ton of content uh, on there that's free and available to absolutely everyone. Uh, if Facebook's your desired, you know, Andy Felgif631. So uh, connect through LinkedIn, connect through Facebook, uh, check out the YouTube channel or just email me. I love connection rather than sending people to websites, this, that, and the other. To me, it's all about relationships and it's all about connection. So Andy Fell at gift631.com. Love to hear from you. And, uh, and can I say, Jen, phenomenal. Just talking with you, I feel fired up uh, myself. So thank you. I'm fired up. Thank you. I'm like, what am I going to do tomorrow to incorporate your process? Like, I really want to do this. No. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience, Andy. Brilliant. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andy Fowl as much as I did. If you want to connect with him, Andy actually wants you to drop him a line on LinkedIn. So jump on over to LinkedIn, connect, share a message, email him. I know that he'll take any level of conversation because he just wants to make a difference. And of course, if you like this, if you were inspired, if you are going to change your behavior, share this on your social media platform, email it to a friend, and don't forget to write us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.